I'd be lying if I said that none of you out there thought about real estate as a passive income source. I mean, I've kind of drunk the Kool-Aid myself. I've been investing in real estate for years, like a decade now. My parents are commercial real estate developers. The rest of my family is pretty much in real estate and I'm the oddball hanging out on the personal finance crowd. I just grew up with this stuff. And while I don't think you should look at real estate just as a passive venture, you should consider it to grow your net worth and eventually help you achieve financial independence. What's up, everyone? So happy you guys are here. Welcome back to the Financial Residency Podcast. And thank you again for just being a part of our community. I'm really excited about this episode because it's about one of my favorite topics, which is real estate. And there's often this expression passed around about real estate, which goes something to the effect of there are more millionaires made from real estate than in any other industry. And while this is probably true, there are some details that can just absolutely bite you in the butt, like taxes. Ugh, taxes. No one likes paying Uncle Sam more than we need to. Of course, we need to, otherwise we go to prison. But of course, no one likes paying those taxes. And so I've brought on back semi-retired MDs, Leite and Kenji, to talk about reps or real estate professional status. Now, you probably heard the show that I did with them last year on how they achieved fast fire with real estate you know that these two are amazing and they have absolutely cracked the code on how to buy, sell, and invest real estate. Not only that though, they're teaching other physicians how to do the same thing. So as of today, they have officially launched their course, Zero to Freedom Using Cash Flowing Rentals. If you're ready to learn how to actually purchase real estate, this is a killer course and I am excited. You can go to financialresidency.com slash SRMD or just click on the link in the description of the podcast player you are listening to this show right now. Registration is going to close in two weeks, so don't wait too long to sign up. Now, for anyone who decides to buy their course using our financialresidency.com slash SRMD link. I'm going to be offering a free 30 minute call with me to literally talk about anything you want. This could be financial. We could just talk about puppies. I don't care. It's up to you. I love their course. I'm going to be following along this time in the course. So if you want to talk about that, we could do that as well. Highly recommend it. So if you, again, if you want to check it out, go to financialresidency.com slash SRMD. Now, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time at all, you know that we have our Friday shows. I bring on my partner, Casey Cress, and we talk all about financial health assessments that all of you call in. And you know that we harp on getting disability insurance a ton. Well, if you are in the need of disability insurance, I've already done the hard work for you and vetted a good company called Pattern. Pattern simplifies the disability and life insurance for physicians. So you are confident that you have the right policy and that your income is protected. They're today's show sponsor. And if you'd like to get in touch with them, go to financialresidency.com slash pattern. All right, let's jump in with Lacey and Kenji, the killer duo, the amazing dynamic duo at Semi-Retired MD. Let's jump in and hang out, learn about reps. What is up, Semi-Retired MDs? I'm really excited to have you guys back on the show. Welcome back. Thank you so much. And uh, happy to be back. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it's going to be super fun. So you guys kind of rocked my real estate world a little bit last time we had you on because we had talked really just briefly about the real estate professional status. 
And then I got literally 400 emails, voicemails, like so many people have reached out. It's been mentioned in the group a bunch. And I was like, oh boy, here comes the storm of questions around how they can game it and how they can figure it all out. So, and I generally just start linking to your information, but now I have you guys here and we can talk about it. So for those that somehow missed the first time you were on, what is real estate professional status? Let's just start high level and then kind of start digging in from there. Sure. Yeah. So real estate professional status is a, it's really just a tax designation that allows you to take real estate profits or sometimes losses and treat them as active gains or losses. Why that's important is that by definition, real estate, let's say gains or losses are considered passive. And when you have losses, that doesn't allow you to shelter anything. It basically gets kind of stuck in something called a suspended passive loss. But if you can make it active, then you can actually start to shelter income, like clinical income or other types of income. And that's when it gets really interesting. And that's when really the benefits are pretty tremendous. And it's interesting, if you kind of look back in history, because I actually looked at the history of real estate professional status recently, back in the early 80s and before, anybody could take their real estate losses and shelter income. So this was something that they've been doing for a long time. And then there were some new laws passed in like, I think it was in the early 90s where they finally closed this loophole. They essentially said, okay, you can't do this anymore. The only way you can do this is if you claim real estate professional status. Again, big change in the law affected a lot of people's lives, but this is something that, again, carved out specifically for people who achieve this status that allows them to shelter income. That's good. I love history. I'll be honest, when I had you guys on before, and we've talked a little bit about this with some certain clients or whatever, but I'd mentioned to my mom, like, hey, mom, like, this is a cool show we've done. And here's a couple of things. And she gave me that, oh, honey, you know, back in the day, it was so much easier because my whole family is in real estate, right? And I'm definitely the oddball for many reasons, but I'm the oddball because everyone does real estate. You know, my parents have developed like 7 million square feet in Vegas and lease it, cousins sell it, stepmom sells residential. So again, I'm the weirdo that hangs out in financial planning and stocks and bonds and these silly things apparently. But yeah, I remember her stories. It was like, oh yeah, like back in the day, this was so easy. Real estate was so much easier. The tax laws were favorable, like all these things. And now there's so many laws and regulations and tax codes and you name it. I mean, they're still real estate investors and they're active and building and developing and stuff. So it's very easy for them. But for those that are listening, they're like, okay, I get the overview. Maybe walk us through a little bit of the process. How do they actually figure out if they can go for real estate professional status or what are some of the requirements? Let's talk through a little more detail on that. Yeah, good question. So there are really two main requirements. Number one, real estate has to be your primary profession, meaning that you spend over 50% of your working time on real estate. And so a lot of people ask us, you know, can I be a real estate professional if I have a full-time job and I'm working 40 hours a week? And the answer is difficult, right? Because if you're working 40 hours a week, then you have to do 41 hours a week in real estate. And the second requirement is you have to spend a minimum of 750 hours a year in real estate. That obviously has to be higher if you're working a thousand hours in your doctor job. For example, you have to work more than a thousand hours in real estate. So minimum 750 hours and then 500 of that has to be in material participation on your own properties. So you have to own enough properties that roughly you're spending at least 10 hours a week just kind of working on your own properties. 
property management or overseeing rehabs or doing the rehab work yourself. So there are tough requirements to reach if you have a full-time job, but it works really, really well if you have a stay-at-home spouse. So like Kenji, really, we had him actually cut down to half time when we first started buying so he could meet criteria. And now he's our primary, you know, real estate professional and he doesn't work very much as a doctor anymore. Yeah. And I think we should have probably started there and I apologize. So semi-retired MDs, what were your guys' specialties before the real estate professional? Yeah. So I was working as a full-time hospitalist. And when we started buying properties, I actually cut back to half time at that time because it, again, we did the calculations ahead of time and we, we said, okay, with the money that we're going to shelter and get back in taxes, it makes sense. It actually pays for me to cut back. And we really didn't experience much of a, a loss in income because we had the tax savings and the cash flow from our properties that more than made up for it. Yeah. And then no state tax also. And then you'd mentioned material participation. And I think those that are listening that maybe are newer to real estate might not understand what you mean by material participation. I can explain that. So there are a number of material participation tests. And the one we were talking about was probably the easiest one to meet. I, I shouldn't say easiest, but ultimately it's probably the the one that most people will choose to uh, try to meet because the other ones have a fairly high bar and you really have to be the primary person managing the properties. If you have property managers, for example, it's really hard to meet a lot of the other material participation tests. But the one that you can meet with property managers is the one where you group all your properties into one. And then as in, in aggregate, you spend a minimum of 500 hours on managing your properties. And so material participation is distinct from regular real estate professional hours in that they have to be for managing your properties. And it can't be just like taking a real estate course or you know learning about real estate or talking to real estate people or or even if you're an agent, you're going to be helping other people buy or sell their properties. You're not really managing your properties. And that's distinct from material participation where you know, again, material participation is for your properties and the other hours for real estate professional status. It can be anything else real estate related. I want to ask a couple follow-ups, I guess, on that really quick. So I can't even use a hammer basically, right? So if I'm going to go in and try to fix something, which would be a horrible idea, you know, try to hit that material participation, can I hire vendors to do the work and I oversee, and I'm putting that in quotes for everyone that can't see us. And does that count? Again, I'm, you know, we're not accountants and lawyers. So the idea is that you know, if you're primarily managing or overseeing those activities, then it will count towards material participation. And that's really the key is that, yeah, of course you can hire vendors, but you have to kind of manage and oversee. And the way you kind of achieve that 500 hours is to be actively involved in your properties. I mean, so as an example, we just purchased a $3 million property. And you know, I'm thinking about the property all the time. I'm thinking about how can I improve the living situation for my tenants, right? How can I address the cockroach problem that we have right now? How can I improve the security of the property, right? So I'm thinking about security systems, maybe even a security person to patrol the area at night. So, you know, these are the types of things I'm thinking about. And so I'm truly overseeing and managing this property, even though there's some day-to-day aspects of collecting rent checks or Somebody else is actually installing the security cameras, for example. Somebody else is doing the work, but I'm actually overseeing and managing and directing what happens to that property. 
Right. And we actually have a business email. And so Kenji's sending out emails to a property manager and they're talking about all different security systems. And they're talking about what do we want to do about landscaping? What what fence do we want to put in? And he's overseeing all that. And all of that gets tracked through our email system and then all through the calendar because he's having, you know, weekly meetings with them talking about what we're going to do with this property because we're getting it online and there's a ton of work involved in that. Yeah. And so someone listening might think like, oh, I can own one house and that would solve all my issues. Right. And it's like, there's not 500 or 750 hours of work into the house. You're talking about bigger projects in that piece. So how are you tracking your time, right? You're tracking email, but if you ever got audited, right, which at some point, probably all of us are going to get audited for whatever reason, this doesn't make you a giant target, but you're going to have to fight and say, improve that. So how are you tracking these things? Yeah. So what I mainly use, and this is, you know, a lot of people will have different systems. I will use Google Calendar and I will essentially designate the time that I spend on a particular activity, you know, from 10 a.m. to 1040 a.m. I had this conversation. And then in the uh, note section of that entry, I'll specifically kind of put in notes for what I talked about, what was agreed upon. And it's actually also a great reference for me because anytime I need let's say a phone number or something, or try to remember a conversation or what was agreed upon, I can actually search that in the Google Calendar. The other reason why I love the Google Calendar is that it's on my phone. So a lot of these things I'm doing on the fly. So if I'm kind of in between things or right after I do something, I have my phone right with me. I just make that entry really quickly. I can change the times. I can put in my notes and then I can hit save. So that's really kind of a very efficient way for me to do it. The emails I kind of look at as a supplement to that where I'll reference a specific email in my notes where I'll say, you know, send this email and this is what we agreed upon. And then it's a C email from this day. And then that'll be just kind of supplemental. And so that's kind of how I, this combination of those two things. But also, in addition to that, if I go on site for something, I'll have the hours that I drove, but also I will try to take some pictures or video or something to kind of document that I actually was physically at the property. That's really smart. And you can use it now with technology and iPhones and all the Android phones. Like it has a satellite location pinged to your picture and that makes it a lot easier to prove some of these things versus like back in the early nineties where it was not the case that you, they had car phones, which is hilarious to me. Thinking back as a kid with my parents having a car phone, which was like a really big deal for then. So what are some of the systems and other things that you do are like just the process of managing multiple properties? I'm not buying $3 million buildings. We've got seven homes now that we have in Vegas that I, a couple only own outright, a couple I, I partner with my mom, my brother on. And I still have property managers that I know and love. I've known them for years and years and years, but it's still kind of a pain in the butt to manage these things. So like, how are you guys handling that with different deals and different things and organizational duties and all that fun stuff? Yeah, so, you know, I think you have to be really systematic. Well, I, I did want to kind of step back and say, you have property managers, you really could just kind of step back and let them handle things, right? I mean, ultimately, my parents have multiple properties as well, and they've chosen the kind of the completely passive route and kind of chosen not to be involved. But I think with real estate professional status, I mean, again, I kind of look at it as profession. I mean, that's what I write on my tax form as my, as my profession. It's real estate professional. And so as a professional in real estate, how I think about it is, okay, what is my goal here? My goal is to improve the living environment of the people, the tenants, and provide them a safe living environment, a clean living environment. And that's really my goal, right? And so as I think about it in that lens, 
kind of all of a sudden you're like, okay, there's a whole host of things I can do to improve the living situation for my tenants. And so then I'm really systematic after that, right? I just kind of have every property and I have checklists of things that I need to check in on. I need to make sure that no winter lease is going to be due. I need to kind of look at unresolved issues that I need to kind of keep going back to because it's kind of frustrating sometimes, you know, you have a new issue that pops up and you just can't resolve it right there on the spot. Like, you know, we're doctors, we just want to like get something done and check it off our list and move on. But a lot of times with, with real estate, you have a problem that takes several months actually to resolve. And so you have to kind of keep coming back to it and keep reminding yourself that, okay, I need to check in. So you, again, you have to have real good systems. I have checklists of things for every single property. And, you know, early on, it was much easier when we have fewer properties. But as you get over like five to 10, we have over 15, it does get overwhelming. And so one of the things that we are doing and also stimulated by cost segregation and bonus appreciation, which we can talk about, but stimulated by that, we're, we're actually selling a lot of our smaller properties and getting into bigger properties. And our goal is to have fewer larger properties. And I think overall, that'll make things uh, simpler because when you get over 10, it starts to get 10 buildings. It starts to get kind of a little crazy. crazy. I think the key here is that it's a business and Kenji treats it as a business. And I agree. We want to make it an awesome place for our tenants, but we also want to maximize our profits. I mean, that's the point of the business. And so we really spend a lot of time thinking creatively, like how can we increase the income of the property and how can we decrease expenses? We do some really creative things. I mean, with our duplexes, for example, Kenji actually like printed out a map of the land and then drew a picture and said, this is this tenant's responsibility to cover this part of the yard. And this is this tenant's responsibility to cover this part of the yard. Then he had pictures of what the yard looked like when it was professionally landscaped and he put it in the lease. If you don't keep up your yard to this level and we have to hire somebody to come in and fix it up, you are going to get charged for it. So you need to take care of your yard. And so that saves us a ton of money, right? Because now we're not paying for landscapers. So those kind of creative things that he's done have made a real difference in increasing our profit and treating it like a business. Yeah, that's actually really a, a cool tip. Should actually learn from that one. And some of my leases when I get back the properties and I'm like, what the heck happened in here? <laughs> Even though I've got a manager and like we check on those things, but I mean, tenants... Sometimes they're not treating it as their own. Kinji, I'm just really quick and you don't have to go into much detail on it, but uh, you know, you spent so much time becoming a physician. Obviously physicians, you guys are brilliant people. Like I always say, you're like the top of the top of our population. Do you ever have like an identity crisis sometimes? Like you spend all this time and effort training and then now you're a real estate professional that didn't need to go to med school and go through residency. And I think some people that are sitting there going like, I'd love to be a real estate professional. Maybe not so much on the active side, but then do I lose that identity as a doctor? Personally, no. And my situation may be different from a lot of people, but I've always had a lot of different interests. You know, I've worked, you know, in the Senate for working on health policy. I've, you know, I worked at McKinsey doing consulting work. I've worked on multiple startups. And so I've always kind of had my hands in a lot of different kind of things. So I guess I have multiple personalities in that sense. You know, I have, I, I don't think I have an identity crisis, but you know, the other way I think that even if I didn't have all those other interests, I think the way that I would probably think about it is that it's not really about losing your identity. It's, a, it's about actually adding to your existing identity and in creating kind of another solid income stream. And that's kind of how we think about it is that, you know, especially in this day and age, right? You know, we don't really, you know, to rely on a single 
income stream. I mean, that's really risky. I mean, I think people are starting to really realize that, right, especially in this environment. And so the way we like to think about it is it's not about this is going to define me. This is about creating another solid income stream so that we think about financial Parthenon, you know, has these solid columns holding up the Parthenon, right? And so each leg of that Parthenon is another income stream. And think of a physician income stream as, as, as one of the legs, but you need a couple other legs to hold up that financial Parthenon. And that's what you want to create for yourself is a really solid structure like that. And then if you're able to do that, and I think real estate is a really great way of doing that, especially when you consider the cash flow and the tax savings. It's a really, really solid kind of leg on that financial Parthenon. Yeah, I forgot. There was an article I was reading. It was like you had a one-legged chair and it wasn't very stable. Then you got like a two-legged one and then it was like a three-legged stool and then it was like a four-legged table right. concept. I don't know. I don't know where I saw this. Was it did you guys write something like that or Well, we wrote an article on concentration risk. And so Con- that okay. we might have mentioned that in that article where Or I might have done a journal club on it or something. Like immediately as you were saying that, I was like, wait a second, I know like some visual in my head is popping out here. I mean, one of the things like even in medicine, we've created multiple legs, right? And when we have our main hospitalist job, but we also signed up for telemedicine. So there's another kind of source of income. So, right, if our hospitalist job, you know, becomes less attractive or we want to be mobile and move around the world or whatever, we can move and shift most of our time to telemedicine. So the more legs or more columns you have, the more freedom you have, the more choice, the more flexibility. And so that's part of our goal is to create many, many different streams of income so that we can be flexible and free. Yeah, I love it. So we chatted a little bit about material participation and, you know, really passive activities, if you will. And we'll disclaimer this multiple times over, like, we're not your planners, we're not CPAs. This is education fun information and please don't act on it. Right. But I think, you know, we've talked about those pieces. And then if we relate that back to Schedule E, where we see a lot of passive activities on Schedule E, maybe talk to me about the reps versus Schedule E and how these kind of work in tandem or conflict between passive and material participation. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, if you claim reps, that implies that you've made real estate your primary profession, you have the hours and also you have the material participation. And so at that point, you're still filing everything on a Schedule E. It's just that normally without reps, that Schedule E, and I'll say losses in this case, because typically with rental properties, you know, you can set it up and a lot of times with depreciation, it's going to show a loss. And so these losses are passive losses. And like we were saying in your, your parents' day, they would just take these losses and shelter their income. Now the rules are a state that you know, what comes out on Schedule E is a passive gain or loss. In most cases, it's a loss. And the only thing that's going to make that an active loss is if you have real estate professional. And so for us, everything's still on a Schedule E. It's just that we have an election, uh, basically on a piece of paper, our accountant writes that, you know, we are electing that we meet the criteria for real estate professional and we're electing that status. And then that what that does is it takes anything in that Schedule E, that's a loss, and then they use that to shelter our income. And what we do is we make the losses very large in order to be able to shelter you know, all of our income. And that's kind of our goal every year is we look at how much income are we going to make in that year? And then we say, okay, how do we kind of create the losses to shelter that income? So I've had other guests on, we've talked about all sorts of real estate. I had Chad Carson on talking about single family homes. I had the brilliant Dr. Kathy Carroll, who's an MD and a CFA. 
literally one of the smartest people I've, I've ever met who does sub syndications and syndications and those type of investments, syndicated investments would not qualify because they are truly passive, which I'm starting to become a fan of because I've been so busy with just actually client work and the podcast and all sorts of stuff. So if physicians are looking to be really passive, this is not the strategy. This is, you are now looking to be more active in real estate, to make it a job, to make it a business, which you guys have clearly done a fantastic job of. What we haven't talked on though, is the other fantastic job of really this amazing marketing machine that you guys are creating with so much content. So I want to kind of shift here as we round out the show to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing at Semi-Retired MD. You guys have a killer course that just launched today, which you guys want to check it out. We've got a link for you, financialresonancy.com slash SRMD. Why don't you tell everyone like what you're up to, what's going on and your podcast? <laughs> sure, we'd love to. So we created Semi-Retired MD, our blog, two years ago, really to help a lot of our friends, especially who were hearing us talk about real estate all the time and seeing that we had totally changed our lives and created this other source of income so we could cut back at work and so we could travel and have all this freedom and they wanted to see and learn what we were doing. And so we're helping a lot of them right from the get-go starting to invest in their own rentals. We're finding two things. And number one is we never really gave them very structured, detailed information of every single thing we were doing because they get them in little bits and pieces and they weren't just, they didn't get the whole system that we had kind of created. And then number two, a lot of them weren't taking action because they were kind of isolated, you know, doing it on their own and they, they would just get stuck in analysis paralysis and, and not make any progress. So when we created Semi-Retired MD, about a year after we created it, we came upon this idea of creating a course and doing it live. And by live, I mean, everybody goes through it together. I mean, it's video that people can watch on their own time and there's live Q&As once a week that people can come to or they can watch recorded. But the idea is everyone starts, you know, knowing little or nothing about real estate. And each week we're actually giving them education, but we're also having them to make progress, you know, giving them team members, like actually having them do activities to get them closer. And so by the time people finish, it's basically a 10 week course in the end, by the time they finish, a lot of people are buying properties during the course. And then afterwards, we've had people buy 20, 30, 40 units, like even within a couple months of doing the course, because they know what they need to do. They've got the team in place and they have the social support of the community. They feel really confident. They know what they can do. I think that's fantastic. So I know like in our fellowship, we have basically video content. And then twice a month, we're doing one hour, one and a half hour Q and A's. And I know that everyone is signing up. We've just gone through our second round of fellows. And when they sign up, it's that accountability. And it's that, hey, I can actually ask this person who's done this all day, every day, who nerds out on this stuff, my questions. And I know that that's really, really powerful. And that's one of the reasons I know you guys have been so successful. So, you know, if you guys are interested in their course or their, you know, you guys have free mini course. You have so much great content, you know, cool downloadable guides. And I downloaded one of those the other day. And I was like, when I was going to prep for our show and I was like, yeah, this is like fantastic, all professional. And I'm like, can you guys create some of my downloadable content? Cause it's so nice. I love what you guys are doing. So <laughs> yeah, if you guys are interested in checking out more what they do, financialresidency.com slash SRMD. Guys, it was nice catching up with you and 
on what you're doing. And you guys are in our group. I think both of you are in, at least one of you is in our group. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are in our community, if not, it's financialresidency.com slash community. You should be in it. But if you have questions on reps or real estate or stuff, I mean, tag these guys. These guys are living proof that you can do it. They're doing a really good job. So proud of you guys. And thanks so much for coming on and spend some time with me. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thank you awesome so much. to see you again. Yeah, thank you. And it's time for our quick community update. I love this segment. A little something special. On the down low here, we've been working on an exciting update to the financialresidency.com website. All right, really, it's not an update. This is a complete facelift. It is absolutely what needed because it is an old and crusty website, I feel like, that's hard to navigate. And we are going to be changing all of that so you can navigate to the content that is important to you. I'm going to have a ton more details coming in the few weeks, but until then, know that it's going to be epic and that we're actually going to stick to our name, Financial Residency, and be helping create that kind of curriculum for you on our website. And remember that Leite and Kenji's course is starting today. Really excited that they have launched their course again. I'm going to be following along with you guys side by side. So if you want to take their course, go to financialresidency.com slash SRMD. And I will be offering anyone who buys through our link a free 30 minute call. So if you feel like talking to me about puppies or whatever, you can talk finance if you want or actually talk about their course. Let's do it by their link. Click the link in the description of this show right now and any podcast player you're listening to and we can hang out for a free 30 minute call. Now, before we end, it's time for our important disclaimer. And I'm super pumped that you guys are here and you decided to take some time out of your day to listen to me yap about finances. It's my passion. I'm super nerdy about it. Just happy to be the messenger, honestly, of this information. And I'm just honored that you're here. But I can't give you any specific advice to your financial situation. This show is for entertainment purposes only. So please consult your attorney, your CPA, or Reach out to us, fee-only financial planners at Physician Wealth Services before you go and make any big money decision because that's just the smart thing to do. All right, everyone, have a great week and I will see you guys on Friday. Cheers. Cheers.